After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Juice and Mo podcast, the first game of 2023. Found the Kings going toe to toe with one of the best teams in the league. But it was a shorthanded Grizzlies team. You had no Desmond Bain or Brandon Clark. Aldama was out too, but the Kings could never get it going. There were glimpses, but Memphis absolutely dominated at the end of the game. Thanks to big nights from Ja Morant and Steven Adams. They beat the Kings 118-108. to I'm Juice Mason alongside Morgan Reagan, who's... Driving back from San Francisco, where she was hosting pre and post tonight on NBC Sports California with Kenny Thomas. Morgan, how are the roadways at this hour? Um, they're okay. There's been a few cray-crays out here, but um, at least there's no trees down on the freeway. Yeah, that's good. Just once you get back to Sacramento, be careful, still, because there is still the aftermath of the storm that went through Sacramento. It was an insane night. Hopefully everyone's safe after New Year's Eve. Just... Crazy. I mean, a storm that took down so many trees. Driving around downtown today, it was trees down everywhere, uprooted. You had over 150,000 people without power in Sacramento, according to SMUD at one point. So it's just been crazy. And shout out to all the, 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 the workers who are going out on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day to try to get people's power back on. Truly, truly, really, really cool to see. But, um, you know, the power was back on in Sacramento, but it wasn't on for the Kings in Memphis. No, it was not. You like that? Yeah, no, I don't. I, I mean, I like the transit. It just wasn't a good night for the Kings. They fall to 19 and 16. Memphis improves to 23 and 13. They're one of the best home teams in the NBA. Um, where do we start with this one? The Kings could not make any shots in the first half. But they were down. Oh. They were down one at the half, and at, at the half, I'm going. Look, if you're not making shots, but you're competing, you're in the game. I can live with it. You're going to give your cha- yourself a chance to win, and hopefully, you knock down some shots in the second half. And they come out in the third quarter and make three of their first four from downtown. You're thinking, all right, now it's going to get going. You got a game, but I, I was just absolutely stunned by looking at the first half versus the second half when it came to points in the paint and second-chance opportunities. Memphis absolutely dominated. And Steven Adams has the Kings number this year. I mean, he has pretty much outplayed Sabonis 
in each of the three matchups, averaging 17 rebounds a game in the three games. Tonight, he had 23 rebounds, including a career-high 13 offensive rebounds. I know I just threw a lot at you, Morgan, but where do you start with this one? I think you start there with Steven Adams and the way that, you know, that matchup is tough for DeMontis Sabonis, and not much has been very difficult for that guy. I mean, he can play with one thumb and still show so much dominance at times, was um, obviously in the game since he's been back playing very well and playing with his chest on the defensive end. But I think with Steven Adams, it's like he just is outmatched with his size in so many different ways. The way that Steven Adams would do a good – he wouldn't reach over his back, obviously, right? But the way that he had the size advantage and would – still be able to power down so he could get close enough to the rim to get those offensive boards. He was just doing everything right tonight, and no one could stop him. I mean, sometimes he's just going up with one arm, right? He's trying to battle guys out, push them away. He's so strong. The guy's a brick house, and he gets his hand on the ball, and it was a killer. He had six offensive rebounds just in the fourth quarter alone. Wow. And it wasn't, but here's my thing, too. I think toward the end, if you saw in that fourth quarter, I even texted you this. I said, Adams is out hustling, guys. Like, he's running for a rebound well, that's going to the corner, right? Yeah, and I, I felt like Memphis looked like the team that was rested. Like, they played last night against New Orleans. They beat the Pelicans last night. And then tonight, the Kings look kind of gassed at the end of the game. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that Memphis is a physical team. They get into you. You got Adams pushing you around. You got Brooks all over you. They get into you. I mean, they're they're a great team. And I think, if anything, tonight just highlights, like, the difference. Like, the Kings coming into tonight were the fifth, uh, fifth in the Western Conference. Um, Memphis is number three. But you see a drastic difference between the two teams. And that was even with Memphis being shorthanded, missing someone like Brandon Clark, who's also such a talented big off the bench. And, of course, Desmond Bain, who's still trying to come back from that uh, toe injury. He's not playing back-to-backs right now. But, like, the Kings' lack of size gets exposed in these matchups when you've got Adams and Jaron Jackson. Dude, it, it, that's, that's it. And it's like you're seeing around the league how – these bigs are evolving and how teams are finding multiple of them, whether they're playing together, whether they're playing one and the other one's coming off the bench and still being that modern day dominant NBA big. And the Grizzlies are a tough matchup for people. And then obviously we saw what happened in the postseason last year, but there was still some health issues with guys, but there was, you know, Steven Adams wasn't even in the starting lineup. It was, it's like they're going to have their challenges too with the way that they play the game, but it's this style of play that gets them to where they are in the Western Conference too. Well, and I think it just gets more challenging when at points at the game, you've got Barnes at the four, right? Where Barnes is able to attack Jackson a couple of times offensively, but again, the size advantage when Sabonis is trying to box out and fight with Adams, which is already challenging enough because Adams is the strongest guy in the league. We know this. And then you add to the fact that Sabonis does have the thumb thing, right? So he's fighting through that. You're not going to... It's tough to be as physical as you want to be, especially with one of the strongest dudes in the league. So you're at a disadvantage already with the hand. You're already at a disadvantage because of his size. Adams has done a great job in in those three matches. But even, you know, tonight, it was just even more difficult for Sabonis to deal with just because of the hand as well. I, I have some staggering numbers, Morgan. Drop them. Let's hear them. So Memphis is really good at getting offensive rebounds this season. We know this. Creating second chance opportunities. But in the first half, the Kings were up 11-5 to in second chance points in the first half. So at halftime, it was 11-5 Sacramento second chance points. Points in the paint. The Kings were up at the half 30-24. to so wow. that was impressive, right? And you're going, oh, well, that's why the Kings are in the game. They're missing shots, but they're creating second chance opportunities. They did a pretty good job on the glass to keep it close in the first half. They were battling. They were competing. In the second half, the Kings did not have a second chance basket. It was 10 nothing Memphis. Points in the paint 
40 to 14 Memphis. And so, I mean, you, you talk about it being a King's advantage plus six at the half, second half, 40 to 14 advantage for the Memphis Grizzlies. And that was Adams creating second chance, jaw getting to his spots, so good at getting to his spots, that little mid-range floater destroyed them in the second half. Yeah, and, that, and that's what, what was tough about it because at times I was like, you got to put the pressure on and not allow John Morant to get to his spots, but that's what good point guards do, right? Like, especially when you're that caliber of player like Jam- uh, John Morant. And so uh, at times I was disappointed with certain possessions, and at other times I'm like, all right, he's just going to get his. But um, points in the paint with this squad, it's going to happen. There's a few times I would have honestly, though, said it was because of a better effort by the Grizzlies. They, I mean, they they play hard, and I don't know if it's more of a fatigue thing than anything in the second half because the Kings were in it in that first half. I thought the other big difference tonight from a numbers perspective, Memphis, when they turn you over, they pretty much score, and they did that tonight. It, the turnovers, Sacramento had 16 turnovers in this game. It turned in to 24 points for Memphis. Okay, that's reasonable. Like, that's high. That's not a good number. Memphis had 12 turnovers. Turned into seven points for the Kings. Mm. Mm. That, that's that's just a huge advantage. The Kings, for the first time this year, did not have a twenty point score. I believe Will Z sent us as well. Oh, yikes! Yeah, the Kings didn't they have had, a single yeah. twenty point yeah. score tonight. It's the first time all year they haven't had at least one player with uh, twenty points. So, yeah, those numbers were bad, and I just. It just goes to show you the different levels between Memphis and Sacramento. The size advantage really hurts Sacramento. They don't have – when you're playing Barnes at the four, it's – in this matchup with Jaron Jackson and with Adams up front, that's a challenge. Dude, it's a total and, – and by the way, I think Harrison Barnes still held his own. I think he finished with 16 points. You know, he still made an impact across the stats with just, just being – utilizing his strength out there when they needed that, right? They, the Kings needed that against this big-ass Grizzlies team. And a big Grizzlies team that also has, over the years, built this culture and this foundation where they grind things out. They play tough, and they play physical. And that physicality can wear guys out, but it's something where I would just like to see for the Kings to get better and better at just matching consistently throughout a game, and they did not match that consistently throughout tonight's game. Uh, someone in the chat, Marco, was mentioning, put Sabonis at the four with Kada against his team in some lineups. Um, the, the the problem with that is, you know, can Kada stay with Jaron Jackson Jr.? Because you, you, can't, right. you can't put Sabonis on Jaron Jackson, you know, and, and Kada can't really deal with... I mean, if Sabonis has trouble dealing with the strength at times underneath. Kate is definitely going to have trouble. And with that said, Sabonis ends up with 18 points, 14 rebounds. He still was able to score on Adams. It wasn't as efficient as we're used to, but he was still 8 of 14. He was the one Kings player that was efficient. But th- this is kind of like a roster issue when you look at a team like going up against a team like Memphis. Like, I, I don't know how you match their size. Induced. I mean, think about what how we were talking the other night on um, New Year's Eve Eve, and how excited we are we were after that win. And it was like we didn't. It's it's a lot more fun when you don't have to talk about the flaws. But I think it's so very important that ev- that we remember every single loss. We're usually talking about the same flaws because it's a matchup issue with big. It's not. It's not usually like, oh man, these guys really just shit the bed tonight. It was effort. It was tired. It was fatigue. That's happened like once or twice. But besides that, it's been pretty much like the backup big or uh, just a matchup problem for the Kings. Yeah, and when you have the size of Adams, then you've got Jaron Jackson who can step out and hit a three, but he can also block the shit of you out of you when you're driving. I mean, how many blocks did Jackson end up having tonight? He had three. I feel like those all came in the first quarter. 
But yeah, what? so man, man, yeah, that's tough. Um, there's another guy that I really want to talk about for the Grizzlies, and that was Tyus Jones. And I, I thought what he contributed off the <sighs> bench, where he knew what he could, where he can make an impact with this game. So not only was he finding the open man, but he did a great job being that spark, hitting those threes. I believe he finished with five. And it, you and I talked about him the other night being one of the best backup point guards in this league. But if you're going to let a Memphis team beat you without Desmond Bain, don't let it be Tyus Jones yep. serving that much in offense. Tyus Jones, I've said this many times, I think he's the best, best backup point guard in the NBA. But tonight, his shit was too easy. And... A couple of it, a couple of them were just like paint touches. Again, this is their guards getting in the paint. John Morant, hell, the rookie Kennedy Chandler came in, and we saw him play at the G League Showcase. You see, kind of the potential he got in the paint, and it created open looks for Tyus Jones. Kings late closing out because they're so worried about the paint late to close out. Tyus Jones gonna knock down that shot. He had another one that was just in transition, where it's just a great shot in transition, but there was no pressure on him. He walked the ball. Dribbled up the floor. Fox was there to contest it, but the guy was already in rhythm. And then there was another one where I, I this is where I give Taylor Jenkins credit. That guy is just a mastermind at times, and this is not anything super advanced, but it's the little things with coaches, right? He saw that the Kings took out Davion Mitchell. They put Keegan Murray back in the game. So Fox is dealing with Morant. They go two-guard lineup with Morant and Jones, and then Murray is switched out onto Tyus Jones, and Tyus is, I'm comfortable. Like, this guy has to play off of me just enough because he's worried about me getting by him. I have enough space here to launch it and bury a three. He, it was, it was great. It was, it was really good execution. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's going to happen with good teams and well-coached teams. And I, we're going to see it. And God, you're right, Morgan. He had, I was, I was so focused on the threes. He had had 18 points, eight assists and six rebounds. Yes, like he stacked it up, and it was those eight assists to me were even like people weren't being weren't going. Oh, Tyus Jones, you're a super big threat, so you are making the defense collapse and pay attention to you. He was just being such a great yeah. playmaker, finding the open man, and really getting what exactly what you're saying, getting what he wanted. Kings end up shooting forty percent in this game. They end up going 15 of 43 from three, just under 35%. The rebounding was a 10-plus advantage for the Memphis Grizzlies in this game. Um, the scoring, as we mentioned, no guy got over 20 points. You had Fox had 19 on 7 of 18. He also had five turnovers in this game. And some of his points came late, late, late in the game when it felt like it was a little out of reach. Herder, after that 30-point game, he ends up with 14 on 4 of 10. We mentioned Sabonis. Keegan had 10 on 4 of 12. Barnes had 16, but it was on 4 of 12. Monk had 18, 7 of 17. So the shooting was just abysmal tonight. So that killed you too. I have a question, Morgan. Sure. And I don't, we saw Golden State do this against Memphis on Christmas Day. And I felt like the Kings should have done this tonight. Adams was killing them. Go hack Adams. The guy shoots 32% from the free throw line. And especially in that fourth quarter when he is destroying you, get, get, foul him. Put him at the line. You know, I, I don't want this guy getting second chance opportunities, backing down Sabonis and scoring. Foul him. He's 32% from the free throw line. And, I, and maybe you force Taylor Jenkins to make a move, and he's like, all right, I got to take him out because – we, they're just stopping us at this point and putting us at the line with our worst free throw shooter, the guy who's probably the worst free throw shooter in the NBA. Well, and here's the interesting thing. I remember watching that game on Christmas Day, and when they started going to hack as Stephen Adams, they were up 10 at the point, and it was like all this chaos was going on. It was a weird moment that Steve Kerr went to it, but it still somehow ended up working for them, right? The Kings tonight were in a good place 
to probably pull something out like that, where it's like, okay, our shots aren't falling. We don't have the same rhythm. Let's try and do this. And I get it. If that's not your style as a coach, I completely get it. But I think just like you're saying, when you have such a weapon like Steven Adams and there is, there hasn't been any answer throughout three quarters, you could start to, to utilize that tool a little bit more and just be like, we're going to go in this direction. I, I think it was worth a try. You know? I don't think I, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. That's what I'm, I'm saying the same thing. No, I know. I just, I, I, I'm just emphasizing it. I just, it, it seemed like, especially with the damage he was doing tonight, creating so many second chance opportunities for his team, especially in the second half, like get his ass out of the game. Like, get him out. He's too big. We we don't have the personal deal. Let's just hack him. And some people don't like it. Like, oh, it's a cheap way. Just defend him. It's like, no, we're here to win the game. It's part of the rules. Just do it, especially because you only have a certain amount of time to do it. Once you get under two minutes in the fourth quarter, you can't do it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it's gosh, just speaking of fouls really quick, too, there's just too many that John Morant gets that other players, other point guards, do not get refs are like so quick to call it for jaw and i'm just i think i think the whole the whole uh narrative of yeah if you're a star and you earn it then that's what you get and i just think that's such a bullshit cop-out thing that people will say and do I get it. There were definitely, I thought the officials were bad tonight. Again, the, the NBA officiating is just awful. I think we just have to note that every game and it goes both yeah. ways. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. what, like the, the one play where David Roddy um, and Holmes, like Holmes went over his back, right? Which Holmes yeah. probably should have been called for a foul there. And then Roddy kind of like grabs the ball and, and like Holmes falls to the ground. No call at all, at all. I'm like, I, I mean, Holmes was over his back. Probably should have been something there. Um, Dude, I thought Roddy, Roddy kind of undercut Holmes first is how I saw it, but maybe that's why they were just confused. Like, all right, this is just a physical play in basketball that we're not going to call, but it's like, no, that's absolutely a call in basketball. And then Mike Brown used his challenge really early tonight, 9.59 mark. He challenged uh, Jaron Jackson. Uh, it was a drive on Jackson. It would have been his second foul. Lyles got over. Brown elected the challenge. That was tough. And then after that, the Kings missed 14 straight shots. Uh, from <laughs> That was pretty insane. That, that started from the 2.55 mark of the first quarter up until uh, 944 of the second when Monk had a dunk. Um, but they were battling in that second half. I mean, in that first half, second half, it fell apart. Once I went to Aaron Fox tonight, Morgan, I just felt like Fox and, you know, was it Memphis's defense? Was it him not being aggressive enough? I just felt like he wasn't in attack mode early. And then late in the game, it seemed like a better rhythm, right? He, he got his midi going a little bit. He attacked. He hit a three. It just felt like it was a little too late. Yeah, and I'm with, and it's funny because I feel like I thought I started seeing some tweets about people saying that, like, he looked lackadaisical in the beginning of the game. Um, I don't know what it was. And, you know, it sucks sometimes when you see that. I think last year we talked about that a lot more with him, where it was like, yo, you got to come out with fire. You got to come out right from um, the start and then carry it throughout the game, where. We saw that tonight, which was just disappointing, right? It's not, I'm not worried about it, but at the same time, it's like, let's not see that again. 19 points. He had six assists. He had four rebounds, five turnovers, seven of 18 shooting. He was two of four from three and three of three from the free throw line. So when they got sloppy, when Darren and the Kings got sloppy too, it was just, they were frustrating, sloppy turnovers sloppy basketball it was it makes sense why they couldn't find a rhythm and make uh, so many shots and they went on those droughts yeah and one you know you mentioned the sloppiness that was near the end of the third quarter where you felt like okay the, the kings are, are hanging in there right they start the second half knocking some stuff down and hit a couple of threes but then they go cold again it's 83-79 with like 244 to go. 
in the third quarter. Memphis is on top. And then Fox threw two bad lobs. And I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't understand it, right? He threw one to Holmes and one to Monk. And I, those are the plays you're like, you, you can't make the right play. This is Memphis. You're going up against a, a contending team. This team is going to make you pay when you make those mistakes. And those are the ones that you have to learn from. Yes. A top five defense, right? A, a, a team, why are we trying to, to throw logs to Holmes yeah. in this one, make him play above the rim in this one, when you got to get things going and find that connection against a team that doesn't have as much of an ability like the Memphis Grizzlies do? You know, it's like you, you haven't found that connection with Holmes this season, but don't try it in a game where – they got the long arms, they got the girth underneath, and they've got the defense that has proven numbers. Yeah, and it was I felt like those were just such those were gut punches, right? Watching because you're like, okay, the Kings have a little momentum here. They're in transition. Let's see what they could do. And it's like, what was that? Well why why do you throw the lob right there? That it's such a high risk play. It wasn't a lob on a break where you've got like a three on one advantage and the defenders all over the place. It was not an easy play to make. If Monk dunks it or Holmes dunks, that's a hell of a play. Yeah, and I don't know. I just I, I'm I'm with you. There's too much of that, especially towards the end. Couple shot clock violations, as someone mentioned in the in the chat too. Oh, those are there. Uh oh, did we lose Morgan? Didn't have your your leaders like their mentality was a little bit different, and you didn't have them leading. Uh, in the same fashion that we have seen, uh, especially like that first half, there was, I know they were missing so many shots, but there were so many other things that they were doing well enough to keep it a one point game. So that's why in that second half, when they couldn't cover up their flaws, that's when it got disappointing and frustrating. Yeah, they were down 91-86 at the end of three. Then uh, the one that really killed me, it's 96-90. Tyus Jones banks in a three. Puts him up nine. And then you're thinking, oh, that's bad. Then you had Adam's second chance score, 101-90. I I thought the other thing that really was frustrating for me late, it's 111-99. And it, the game does feel out of reach there, right? You're in around that three-ish minute, Marco, to go. Yeah. The Kings put no pressure on inbounds with Memphis. Yeah. You know, and they... Yeah. Now, I'll say this. Memphis did a terrible job executing it in this situation because it felt like they were just trying to milk so much clock where they should have just played their game. They just run your stuff and you're going to be fine. The Kings weren't speeding them up. Memphis was just kind of being lackadaisical out there watching the clock, taking bad shots. And then all of a sudden, the Kings get back in the game. Fox hits a couple of shots. Herder hits the three. It's 113-106 with 2.51 to go. And you're thinking, okay, well, we've seen weirder things happen. But then the sequence that killed me was when the Kings got like two or three stops. And they got uh, Memphis got the rebound every time, creating the second chance. And it was just an absolute dagger when Memphis scores off like a fourth chance. Oh, and that, and Deuce, those were the extra hustle plays, right? Like those were the extra. It wasn't. It wasn't luck. It wasn't fluky. It was like they wanted the ball just a little bit more than the Sacramento Kings did, and I'm I'm sure that they fed off the energy of the arena, being at home. But they were playing their second night of a back to back, and I just I wasn't expecting that type of performance from this team, especially you don't know like. Assuming the way that they played, nobody went out on New Year's Eve. My God. <laughs> Dude, even if they did, there's some guys that just doesn't affect them, man. They could go they can go out, have a little fun, and then play the next night and be cool. James Harden's been the master of that for his whole career. Um Yeah, I was catching up. <laughs> so I feel like I don't know if we're being for piling on too much here. I mean, I'm not trying to pile on. I'm just stating like these were the shortcomings today. I think if you're trying to find search for positives tonight, you're going, Hey, look, you lost by 10 when you shot 40% and it shouldn't have been close. 
but you still kept it close. I think another bright spot tonight in some of his minutes, I thought Rashawn Holmes had an impact, you know, and I know he plays 13 minutes tonight, two points, three rebounds. He had two blocks though. And I thought he had a great contest too on John Morant on a drive in the first half. It was much better in the first half than the second half, but I, I, we're starting to see more glimpses from Rashawn. Yeah, and that, that alone, just like you're saying, is a positive thing to see, like finding ways to utilize him and to to really show that, yeah, he's still capable of playing basketball the right way. It's just you got you to gotta give him some trust. You're doing that by showing him more and more minutes, especially when Sabonis gets in some early foul trouble. I like that. And I don't think I don't think we're piling on. I think there was a lot a lot of bad or I don't even want to call it bad. I wanna call it like disappointing. And I think we pointed out all the disappointing things that came within this loss. And I think when you look at some of the more positive things with this loss, it's just going look, Malik Monk being that spark off the bench, even though there was a lot of mysteries, it was good. Rashawn Holmes being able to get those minutes and 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 hold his own out there, right? And, yeah, and that's some of it. it. I mean, it wasn't the whole. The second half wasn't that, but no. yeah, yeah, I yes, no. Um, and um, yeah, let's uh let's hear from uh, Mike Brown. We have not heard from Mike Brown. They didn't air it on TV. Why don't you guys air Mike Brown on TV tonight, Morgan? Dude, it's because he didn't come out until way late. I even teased. I'm like, we're going to go to Mike Brown or we're going to go to coaches and players next. And uh, he didn't come out until the end of the show. All right. Well, let's uh, hear from Mike Brown and see what he had to say after this Kings loss in Memphis. Uh, tell you what, that's, that's a tough game. Uh, it's a tough game because uh, a lot of the things that we talked about with this team uh, going into the game, uh, we didn't handle well. First one was, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about hitting singles. And we talked about hitting singles quite a bit. And all it is is just making the easy pass to the open guy. And I thought too many times uh, we sped ourselves up. And then we tried to play off on one foot. We were leaving our feet and trying to make a play. Um, whether it's driving and jumping in the air and trying to kick out late to somebody or driving into the paint and trying a little shovel pass to your teammate in tight quarters or trying to throw the, the lob over the top, mm. somebody dive into the rim. And, you know, we, this team is really, really good at protecting the paint. They're long. They're athletic. They do a great job of shrinking the floor. And, you know, you have to have patience offensively against this team by just driving. Not getting too deep, because if you get too deep, they're athletic, they're long, they get their hands on a lot of balls, and just swing it to the next guy and, and let him make the play. So the hockey assist is extremely important against a team like uh, like Memphis, and we didn't do a good job. And it seemed like every single one of our turnovers led to points for them. 24 points off of the 16 turnovers. Too many turnovers, first of all, but our, the way our turnovers were, we're, we're, we're not good with the live ball turnovers. Uh, After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's one area of concern that we talked about. The next one, obviously, is Stephen Adams. He's a he's a load down there. He's a he's a grown man, and I felt there were too many times when we didn't gang rebound. You know, he, he, not many people in the league. I can't even think of anybody right now that they, they can box him out one on one. And so you have to have a guy in front of him, and you have to have a guy behind him. Uh, to gang rebound and try to keep him off the glass and hope your teammates come up with the ball. Again, I thought that uh, too many times uh, when we didn't go box out our guy, uh, nor did we go try to help Domus with Steven Adams, and he came up with big rebounds for him. You know, uh, the 21 offensive rebounds hurt. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, another thing we talked about is these guys are coming to block shots and and we had 14 offensive rebounds 14 offensive rebounds ourselves and every time we got an offensive rebound we try to put it back and and we've been pretty good at getting an offensive rebound and spraying to three point shooters one of the big things we talked about is is spray threes against these guys tonight spray threes spray threes spray threes and uh, you know we get an offensive rebound and uh, we try to go back up amongst the trees, and you know, uh, I, I think Jaron Jackson, uh, you know, had three blocks. Stephen Adams had five blocks, and you know, you, excuse me, two blocks. And you know, we didn't convert on our offensive rebounds. We had 14 of them, and uh, we were three for 15 uh, when it came to second chance points, which hurt. So, you know, getting that ball out, whether it's on an offensive rebound or a simple drive without driving too deep and kick uh, and letting the next guy make the play uh, was was uh, our downfall tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we... Yeah, you know, that was... I'll take responsibility for that because we probably should have turned up the heat on John a little bit more. You know, uh, Domus is in a tough spot, you know, because he's not really stopping the ball because he's worried about going back to Steven Adams to keep him off the glass. Um, but on the backside, we should have somebody there early meeting Steven Adams rolling. And so, you know, five guys are on a string. And because of. Stevens' uh, offensive rebounding ability. Uh, you know, we didn't do a good job with our our, our team defense in that pick and roll situation, um, and so we should have changed our coverage uh, sooner to try to impact the ball a little bit better with Ja, so we wouldn't get to the floater. It, it, you know, it did, uh, of course, uh, because it. You know, we had to take Domas out, or, or you know, we didn't get the, we didn't play our normal um, rotation. You know, the way that we we, we normally do it. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they were fouls or not. You know, you got to kind of go back and and see. Uh, but you know, again, you're playing a good team like that on the road. Um, you're going to get taken out of rhythm. Every once in a while, or you're going to get distracted every once in a while by this or that, whether it's the officials, the crowd, the energy that the players uh, feel at home, you know, for, for the opposing team. And we just have to try to keep fighting through it and stay mentally focused and, and you know, knowing that the game is a game of swings. And uh, when we have an opportunity 
to keep the game simple, and we, we didn't do that. We, we we got a little too cute with with our with the basketball, which which really hurt us. Let's kind of go in order here. He was talking about some of the, the the rebounding issues that when the Kings had offensive rebounds, he wants them to get those spray threes, and he felt like the Kings were just going up amongst the trees right away. My my other thing on that too, where I do agree. Give me a pump fake every once in a while. Can you go in somebody's body? I know these guys are tall and they're strong, especially Adams, but I felt like they did. They would immediately get the rebound and go right up. And it's like, well, you can't be that predictable. I think Keegan struggles with that sometimes too on drives where you go in a little soft and he's gotten better at it, I think, as the season's gone on, but it's still very inconsistent. Yeah, and that's where you've got to use a little bit more of that turn around mid-range game or, you know, create a little bit more of that space between you and the big with the long arms because you're not going to be able to go through those guys. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. did a great job of scaring them right away with a lot of those blocks. And it was like, nope, this is my paint. So find another place to shoot the ball. And then Mike Brown was right about them getting a little too cute with some of the logs. It's just not simplifying the game enough. The other thing he brought up was how they were defending Ja Morant, and Ja was getting to his spots like we talked about. They were running the pick and roll, and the Kings at times this year have definitely hard-hedged, right? Like, they're, they're going to make sure to really bring Sabonis up, bring that big up, and you trust your defense on the backside to come over and handle business. And he was bringing up the fact that, you know, Adams is back there, and you got to worry about his rebounding, all that. Here's my problem. I felt like Sabonis was in no man's land so much tonight where you're not close enough to Adams, you're not close enough to Jaw, and Jaw's just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get around this screen. You're worried about Adams rolling. I'm just going to go take this open jumper. Yeah, it, well, and you know what's interesting about it because the I, at first I wasn't too mad about it until they kept hitting them because the Grizzlies are one of the worst teams in the mid-range game. So, which is very surprising with John Morant, but John Morant with his floater game is much more dominant, right? He gets a little bit closer into the paint. Um, it still seems a little further out at times, but his their mid-range game as a team percentage is one of the lowest, and it was frustrating to see that they were making a lot of those shots tonight. And because they were, you have to make those adjustments as a team to be like, okay, this isn't working either. Um, our coverage right now is shit. So the Kings lose this one, uh, 118 to 108. You want to know what my poll question is tonight? Yeah, what is it? Does a loss like tonight concern you? The options, yes, exposes the flaws. No, this Memphis team is legit and a little, but part of the growing pains. Where do you weigh in? Um, what was the first, the first one again? Yes, exposes the flaws. This loss exposes the flaws. I, I'm going to go with that. Yes, expose, exposes the flaws because I'm 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 not super worried, but I think I think at the same time, every loss lately against the team with the mismatches, we're talking about these flaws, and I think it's just another game that exposes the flaws with the Sacramento Kings roster. Morgan, the the question was: Does a loss like tonight concern you? So, so you're saying yes, so, it exposes the flaws, or are you changing your answer? I guess I was saying yes, it exposes the flaws, but I wasn't saying it concerns me, no. Okay, so it doesn't, so, okay, a little bit, but it's part of the growing pains, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think it just shows you what type of moves the Kings will have to make to get to the next level. Like, I think big picture, the Kings are 19 and 16. Morgan, they did not win their 19th game last season until February 2nd when they improved to 19 and 34. So this team has taken obviously great strides. We t- we've talked a hell of fun moments talking about this team, but like we know this team's not perfect either. And so if you're going to get to that next level, if you're going to try to not only get in the playoffs, but like win playoff games, if you have a first round matchup with Memphis, that would be really challenging because of how the roster is constructed right now. So, that's why we bring this stuff up. Big picture-wise, not concerned. Next up, the Kings take on the Utah Jazz, a Jazz team that obviously was just in Sacramento the other night, had a chance to win the game. The Kings win that game off that Kevin Herter three, and then 
Barnes with some great defense on marketing on that final possession. But it's a Utah team that has lost four in a row. They've lost six of eight overall. They had a tough loss on New Year's Eve. Tyler Hero hits a game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer on New Year's Eve to beat Utah. But it's also a Jazz team that's better at home. So, you know, I, I do think the Kings have to feel good. Like, hey, we just beat this team. They are below 500. But it's also... In Salt Lake City, they've got a great home court advantage. You're not, you don't have, you don't have your Kings fans behind you in this one. Yeah, you mentioned that. I thought you did a great job with your uh, hit on NBC because you were talking about that for the Utah Jazz and how that can benefit a squad like this, especially when they do have similarities like that when it comes to having a good crowd and how you can feed off that type of energy and. We saw how close it was and how they had to battle it out. The Jazz are not an easy team. And anyone that thinks that they are, it's just because you're not following them and you're not understanding what they're capable of, not only with their individuals, but they're also coached by a young coach that is doing a fantastic job. And Markkinen's having an awesome year, too. The guy had another big game. He had a big game against Sacramento. I do think the Kings have some advantages that are just a little too much because Utah's not very good at protecting the paint. Uh, Sabonis can dominate in there. They don't have like legit size. So I think that's where Sabonis can have another monster night. But yeah, it's going to be tough. Road games are tough. It's hard to win on the road in this league. And you, you have to do it. You want to be around that 500 mark on the road. That would be the mark of a good team. And then you win home games. So clean yourself up. Dust yourself off. You lost to Memphis tonight. You got some things to learn. I think as I wind down this with Memphis, need Fox to come out of the gate stronger against Memphis. You know, go go out jaw a little bit because if there's one area, you know, jaw's not the best defender. Like, can you get them in matchups where Brooks is not defending Fox? Get Morant on him or get some switches that maybe you like. Those are things I'd, I'd like to see the next time these two teams play again. They play again late January in Sacramento. Yeah, I say just really, like, focus up going into this next one. It's, you know, you, you had two two wins that you had to battle out straight, and then you fall to a good Grizzlies team, dust it off. What would you say, dust it off, dust your shoulders off? Whatever the shit you need to do, just make sure you come in mentally strong and focus in this next one. Uh, how far away are you from Sacramento? I'm, like, 20, 25. All right. Well, hey, appreciate you hanging out, making some time for us. You know, TV lives. Oh. You're, you're this major like celebrity. It's hard to get you in studio all the time, but uh, we, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Wow, we're gonna do that now, are we, dude? No, I'm just saying it's. I appreciate. No, I'm thanking you. I'm literally thanking you. No, 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 no. The the intent was not cute, and we're not going to start 2023 like no, no, that. No, no. You're, so you're not gaslighting me tonight. <laughs> you're such a dick. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'm glad I could be here, and I'm excited for hopefully a win against the Utah Jazz because I, I need it. I need my 2023 to start off right with some theme in my life. Well, drive safe. I'm going to hang out and talk to people for a little bit. All right, I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, see ya. I'm reading the chat right now. You guys are going to be my co-host. Hey, Sato, wake up. I, I need Sato to wake up in the chat. Man, this lady is droning on and on. Take some other callers. That's Morgan. Or maybe that's sarcasm from you. Uh, also, I noticed the chat's talking a lot of trade now. A lot, a lot of people in the chat are mentioning trades because anytime the Kings lose, the first thing that needs to happen is trades. They lose a game. Trade this person, trade that person. But yeah, I mean, as you get closer to the deadline, I mean, deadline's in February. And, you know, we start getting to January now. This is when the trade talks start heating up. I think so many people look at that December 15th date as, hey, that means trades are going to happen. And I, I, we haven't had many December trades in the NBA the last couple of years, except that one year when the season literally started in December. So, I think the next couple of weeks, you're going to start hearing more and more noise, but it's also going to be interesting to see what teams are looking to make moves. And this is why it's pivotal. You're starting to see some separation around the NBA right now. And there's teams like Chicago. Chicago's a mess. 
Like, what's Chicago going to do? You know, are you going to get in a position where you're looking at these teams that are kind of falling apart right now, right? Chicago is 16 and 20. What's going to happen with Levine? You know, are, are they interested in moving on from DeRozan? The Vucevic trade, hindsight, doesn't look too great, right? Orlando's completely kind of rebuilt their team. It looks like they've got a great future. And they did it by trading Vucevic to Chicago. He's in the final year of his deal. Does he get moved? Then you start looking at a team like Toronto, who's kind of in this pivotal moment right now. They're sitting at 16 and 20. And I personally don't think you're going to see Masai do something crazy like trading OG. And maybe he will. Maybe he will. I just think the price is going to be, the asking price is going to be outrageous. He could sell high on Siakam, who's 29. Maybe they start going through a rebuild. But I don't know. Do, do you believe they're going to do that? Do they try to move on from Van Vliet? They're just not at a good spot right now. There's still time for them to turn it on and clean up. It just seems like they've got the talent to do it. It just hasn't come together. Then you look at the other teams like OKC's. They're, they're going to go in tank mode. The Lakers, who the hell knows what they're going to try to do at the deadline? Does Orlando have any vets you're interested in? You know, San Antonio, is anyone on that team? I know a lot of people in our Discord bring up Romeo Langford as a guy that maybe would be good for the Kings, a guy that has shown with some playing time he could be a pretty damn good defensive player. He's knocking down some shots. You got Charlotte at 10-27. and 27. How long have we been hearing about P.J. Washington? Could you get in on Plumlee? You know, what's Detroit going to do? Are they shopping Boyan Bogdanovich? Like, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to start heating up here. What does Atlanta do? You know, does Atlanta just blow out McMillan? Does he resign? They try to patchwork this, or they make some significant moves? Do they move on from Bogey? Are they finally moving John Collins? It's going to start heating up big time, I think. Let's uh, look at some of the people in the chats. Uh, Steven was bringing up uh, maybe trading Keegan for OG. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm high on Keegan. The other thing with OG, the biggest concern I have with OG on Anobi is literally just availability. And he's played 32 games this year, so that's, that's better. He's missed some time. Year before, 48. Year before that, 43. You also have to be careful because, like, then you get in situations where, like, Laurie Markin had missed games too. And now, what? He's healthy and he looks awesome. I mean, the guy's playing at an all-star level. But... In terms of fit, you look at OG and you go, yeah, that guy would be amazing in Sacramento. Like, that's exactly, he's exactly the type of the player they need. Hell, I'm watching Markinen the other night going, God, imagine if Markinen was on Sacramento. But how are you going to get a Markinen? You got to try to deal with Danny Ainge? Hell no. The guy's, he already fleeced Minnesota and Cleveland. I mean, I, and also if you're Utah, I don't think Utah is, even if they start going down, a little bit, and maybe they're kind of around below 500. They're 19 and 20 right now. The the thing I would say is, why would you move on from marketing unless you got like something that's just absurd? I just think he is someone that has two years left on his deal. He's 25 years old. He's going to be an all-star this year. He's got good size. He could shoot it. At 25 years old, I want to keep this guy around. Like, I want him to be part of what I'm doing. I want Jared Vanderbilt to be part of what I'm doing. I'm shopping Conley and Clarkson, and those are the the vets I'm kind of focused on maybe moving down the line. I'm not really Olenek. I'm more focused on that. Like, yeah, do I want a good draft pick? But I want some young talent. Marketing's part of the young talent. You're on with a ton of picks, too. I I, I just don't know that Utah's going to be super active with those players that I think everyone wants, right? Like, everyone's like, oh, can they get marketing? Can they get Vanderbilt? I, I just, I don't see it. Uh, let's see. In the chat, BV, the Kings need to upgrade the backup point guard and center. Maybe Dude, we can get up? Mason Plumley and Kyle Lowry. It, they're, BV, they're not, Kyle Lowry's coming to Sacramento. Oh, do we Dude, have Nick? Mason, in? What's up? Nick, are you literally talking while I'm talking? Yeah, what's up, Deuce? I just wanted to talk about the Kings. We lost tonight, but, you know, we got to play better. Nick, so just to be clear, when I was just talking, when I'm talking to the chat about trades, you were just you were just talking in the background. Is that true? <laughs> yes. And what were you saying? Because I couldn't hear you. The chat alerted me. 
I wanted to say that the Kings, we got to play better defense. You know, you, what about what about sending Sabonis to the All Star game, and then you know you gotta you gotta play better. You gotta, okay, this, Nick, you and because it's twenty twenty three, we're starting anew, and so the new rule is when you're on the show, you just have to wait for us to go to you. You can't just like pop in in the middle of me talking and go. Hey, deuce, 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 deuce. You don't do that to people. That's a technical foul, Nick. Are, are, okay. you, are you laughing at me? Are you? All right, my bad. Are you laughing at me? No, I'm sorry. You're laughing, you son of a... All right, uh, what's your message to the team? I do have to say that we got to play better. You got to play better defense and stay on your man. Stay on your man. All right. What's, what about the next game against Utah? Try to beat Utah. Try? Beat Utah. No, no, we don't. You're saying try? You're supposed to say, why not beat Utah? Why not beat Utah? Okay, Nick, why are you laughing so much tonight? <laughs> you got the giggles? Yeah. Why, why not beat Utah? Okay, all right, all right. Anything else? Well, I, I, I do, I do, I do want to say, hey, sleep dreams. Sleep dreams. There you go. There's Nick forcing his way into night chat. Only like Nick could. Uh, the only reason I knew that, and I know the audio people didn't hear that, but the YouTube people did. I'm just seeing people type in. I think that's Nick, Nick, Nick. I'm like, what are your people talking about? And sure enough, he was just talking while I was talking. Classic Nick. Um, let's get to some people in the chat. Adam wants to know, does Jay Crowder help us? Yeah. I mean, I look, does Jay Crowder help the Kings? I think in some ways he can, you know, I, it, that whole situation is just so weird that he's just sitting out. Like he's just not going to play for Phoenix. They're just cool with that. Why hasn't he been moved yet? Um, I, I think there are aspects of his game that help. It just depends on what you're giving up. I mean, you know he can get in the guys defensively. He plays with a little bit of an edge. Gets a little thirsty with a three-point shot every once in a while, but he's a guy that has had playoff experience who's been on multiple teams. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just watching Boston yesterday. I was watching, Bo was it yesterday or the, a couple days ago? Yeah, Boston, the Clippers. And, damn, man, I'm just watching Boston going, every guy on their team can defend. Every they're running out lineups, you're like they could switch everything because they literally have Tatum, Smart, Brown, Robert Williams. Oh, okay, he goes to the bench. Al Horford comes in. Here's Grant Williams. I, I'm like, can, can the Kings get one of those guys? Not one of those guys specifically, but just having that type. You know, Dave Young can bring in defensively, but just man, guys after guy. Derek White late in that game, Williams. Of course, it's blocking shots, but Derek White's blocking a shot. Horford, just insane. Uh, let's see, what else do we have in the chat? Someone was mentioning Kyle Kuzma again. I mean, frankly, Floyd brought him up. Kuz is more gettable than Bull Bull. Yeah, I don't see why Orlando's giving up Bull Bull. Makes no sense. I mean, they're running out bizarre lineups left and right. You talk about positionless basketball. They're going, yeah, let's run out Bull Bull, uh, Bancaro, just all the bigs at once. We'll go ahead and just roll that out there. Who cares? Mo Wagner. Wendell Carter's been really good for them, too. He's been out. Wagner filled in until what happened with the Pistons game. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, I don't know why you would give up Bull Bull. I mean, Denver, do they regret that a little bit? I know they don't feel like they had time to maybe develop the guy, but, God, he's healthy now, and you're going, it's pretty intriguing. I don't know what he is long-term, but there's enough there that you're going, wait, he can bring up the ball sometimes and handle, and he'll go launch a three. He's long. It's He's been so fun to watch. But as far as Kuzma, you obviously have to keep an eye on him because it's someone that the Kings literally thought they had coming to Sacramento. They thought they had Kyle Kuzma on the team. The Buddy Heald trade was happening. Kuzma's calling Fox. Montrez Harrell thought he was coming, coming here. He's calling Rico Hines, former Kings assistant, asking about, hey, where should I live? That deal was done before LeBron came in and was like, actually, wait a second. How about we go get Westbrook instead, Palinka? That didn't work out too well. But I think the interest in Kuzma 
is going to be there. And, you know, you watched him in Sacramento when the Wizards were here and you're going, damn, you could see exactly why you would like him on your team, right? I mean, long, athletic, can hit a three, can attack. He was, he carved up the Kings defense. And then you, you imagine him playing and getting out in the break with Fox, cutting off ball with Sabonis. Yeah, I, 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 that's really grown on me. Over-under says, does Gafford help the Kings? Yeah, I mean, I think having a big like him could help. You know, obviously, you know, I, I'd love to see Rashawn carve out a role here and find his rhythm again. But that that's a spot you're going to want to look to upgrade if, if it they they don't get what they want out of Holmes. The, the problem, too, is like the assets from a Kings perspective, right? Because they're in a tough spot uh, with the first-round pick going to Atlanta. You can't trade first-round picks back-to-back years, so... Do you trade a, a, a pick down the road? You know, like it's a little dicey. And then in terms of assets, I mean, everyone points to Barnes's expiring deal. Okay. So that's one. Alex Len's expiring deal. You know, you may have to part with something you don't like. You know, Terrence Davis, I'm sure, has value around the league because he's young. He's on a solid contract that expires too. But, you know, you have to match salary as well. So, you know, you, you have to think you want to keep on, you want to keep Fox, you want to keep Herter, obviously Sabonis, you want to keep Keegan. I'm really interested to see how the Kings approach the trade deadline. Because um, there will be opportunities there, and we're going to start hearing more and more about what teams um, are, are eager to make moves. CJ mentioned Rui Hachimura. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing with the Wizards right now is you also have to be mindful of how are they feeling about things because they've won five in a row, you know, and B.O. came back, they won. He he missed a game, they win. Their wins, it's not only five in a, in a row. They, they lost, they went through that stretch where they lost 10 in a row, and since that time, they have lost one game and that was to the Utah Jazz on the road where they were in the game, 120 to 112. Wins over Phoenix twice. They beat Sacramento, handled the Kings here. Then they beat Philly. They beat Phoenix again. They beat Orlando. And then tonight, Milwaukee sat Giannis and Middleton and Holiday, and they win again. So they're 17 and 21. They just committed long term to Bradley Beal. You still have Porzingis, who's been playing probably the best basketball he's played in years. And, you know, Kuzma has a triple-double tonight. You know, are, are, where are they at? Do they do they go, hey, let's kind of make a little push here. Like, we want to, we're in the play-in right now at the 10th spot. We're playing better basketball. Let's see where it goes. So, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to make that move. You know, maybe they want to go, we want to keep Kuzma long-term and sign him. That's why the next few weeks are really interesting. And it's interesting when you look at the Kings' schedule coming up here, too, because I don't like jumping too far ahead in the schedule, right? You've got injuries that happen, crop up. Teams end up playing better. Like, we all looked at the Wizards game as a win for Sacramento when it was like, well, they actually have their guys back now, and they they won, and they dominated, and now they're putting it together. But for the Kings, you start looking ahead, so... You got at Utah coming up on Tuesday. Let's see here. I want to make sure it matches the screen. So you got at Utah. Then you're home for a bit. And this is where, and don't want to jump too far ahead, but this is where you go, all right, we may have thrown away the Charlotte and Wizards game. This is where we need to build. Okay, the Utah game on the road Tuesday is going to be tough. To me, that's a toss-up game. I think the Kings can win it, but would not be surprised. Tough environment, good team, good weapons. Maybe they bounce back. You come home, you've got the Hawks, you've got the Lakers, you've got Orlando, and then you have Houston twice. I mean, you you got to win those games. And I'm not saying it's easy. Like Atlanta is in a major funk right now. You know, like McMillan's talking about resigning. The Trey Young fit with McMillan hasn't been great. Trey Young and Murray don't really play on the floor at the same time. But you did lose to them earlier this year in Atlanta when the Kings couldn't make a shot. But they're a team that's a mess. It's dysfunctional. You're at home. Got to win that game. 
the Lakers. AD still out. I know they got LeBron. I get that. You got to take care of business. Orlando, it's that's one of those games that scares you because you start talking about the length of that lineup and you saw what had to happen last year. Last time they, they met in Orlando, it was De'Aaron Fox winning the game at the buzzer like that half-court heave to win it, but their length gave Sacramento problems, kind of like the Memphis team. So that's kind of a weird game. But again, you're at home. Right, you, you're trying to win games on the home floor, and then you get Houston twice. That that's when you learn a lot, a lot. It's like okay, if you're gonna be legit, if you're gonna be more than a play-in team, and I I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm like, I think Sacramento is gonna be a play-in team unless I, don't, I can't imagine, barring some sort of major injury. I think they have enough talent to be a play-in team in the West. But if you want to be a playoff team, if you want to be like in the conversation for that sixth spot, if you really want to compete for things and not be in that like 9-10 area, you, these are the games you win at home, you know? So it's going to be an interesting stretch, and it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver um, with deadline stuff coming up in like a month. Uh, Big John says, who's Sasha? Vezen oh, you're talking about Sasha Vezenkov. He's uh, overseas. Kings have his rights. They wanted to bring him over last year. It didn't work out. He stayed over in the EuroLeague, and he's having an amazing year over there. So I'm sure the Kings would love to bring him over if it made sense. Well, I think that's going to put a bow on this one. I appreciate you guys so, so much for hanging out with us. We're going to be back live on Tuesday night following Kings and Jazz and then Wednesday following Kings and Hawks. Make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Make sure to subscribe. We love you guys so, so, so much. But we gots to go. You have an amazing night. That was my Morgan. See ya. Deuce and mo, Deuce and mo, Deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo, Deuce and mo, Deuce and mo. The podcast that you know. Deuce and mo. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.